As was absolutely nailed down in the lyrics of that song we just experienced, love is the reason Jesus came down on that first Christmas. Love's the reason. And this isn't just something we talk about that sounds nice. It's exactly what Scripture says is the reason he came. 1 John chapter 4 Verses 9 through 10. This is how God showed his love among us. Why? Because everybody's wondering, does God love us? Is God real? Is God there? This is how God showed that he loves us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. I love the lyrics of that song when it says, love came down that life could break through. We experience life when we experience the love of God in our lives, and that's why he sent his one and only son into the world, that we could have life breakthrough, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, because we didn't, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, that we might find the hope that we're looking for. And so all of this to really get any kind of gravitas to it, to, to dig into our soul even a little bit and be helpful, has to come with a reason. Because you, you hear, oh, love is the reason he came down. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that nice? Wonderful little thing. Can you cut this one short? We've got shopping to do, right? But this is far more complex than it might sound like on the surface. Because here's the truth we're going to seek to rotate our conversation around this weekend. Life is nothing without love. Nothing. It's the whole thing. And yeah, we know life's important, we know this, but life is nothing without love. Life, I, I, I can even get harsher on this, I think. Life is worthless without love. Life is empty without love. Life is lonely without love. And life is of no ultimate benefit or meaning without love. And again, this is something God wants us to understand. He communicates in the scripture. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, I mean I'm an orator who can move the world, but don't have love? I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can actually move mountains, think of the power in that, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, I mean, I'm a martyr, I care about people more than anyone else, but have not love, I gain absolutely nothing from it. The truth we have to understand to the depth of our soul is that our life is ultimately nothing without love. And I think I might be hammering this a little bit too hard because I think most of us innately know it. If we just think about our world, if we think about what we gravitate to in life, what we're longing for in life, it all points to love. And for proof of this, all we have to do is look to the arts. I mean, just think about how music proves the point that life is nothing without love because at the center of all music in the end is that very concept, love. Now, it's usually on the negative side, right? But it's about love. It's about our longing. It's about what we wish could be true in our lives. Think of the songs that no matter how young or how old you are, 
all of us seem to know, at least in part. And I just thought this would be a fun way to dig into the reality that we know life is nothing without love. Our music proves it, and we know that music because this is at the center of our lives. I thought we could play a game, and you need to know I'm going to actually ask you to play along with me. This is one of those times where security will not haul you out if you talk back to me just for a minute, okay? We're, I mean, we can actually play. We can speak. We can pretend we had some coffee. We can pretend that we're alive. We're here for a point and all that different stuff. So I'm going to ask you to play along. What I'll do is I'll, I'll start the song, the lyrics of the song. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> this auditorium would be empty in minutes. That's not what I'm going to do. But I'll start saying the words of the song, and then you finish them. And don't you sing them either, all right? It's just kind of a talking game. Here, here's, here's the first one. What's love? Yeah. Who sang it? Tina Turner has recently passed, as most of you know. What's at the center of that song? Love. What's love got to do with it? Everything is kind of the point. It's at the center. All right, how about this one? Uh, and I'll say it first, and then I'll make a comment about it. Love and marriage, love and marriage. Yeah, that, did you notice that people didn't respond as much on that one? You've already reached your five-word limit, probably, so that was a little too long for you. But the truth is, um, who sang it? <laughs> See, yeah, this is a young crowd, and I'm glad. I'm glad you're a young crowd. Uh, we need more 90-year-olds right now, but uh, the person who sang it was Frank Sinatra. You know, old Blue Eyes. And a lot of you think I'm old, but Blue Eyes was way before me. I mean, he was like for my grandparents kind of a deal, right? I mean, I, I didn't know Abe Lincoln, but I knew his kids, that kind of thing. But Frank Sinatra sang that song. Here, here's another one. What the world needs now, yeah, it's Love, Sweet Love, very famous song. Who sang it? Tom Jones. <laughs> no, one Tom. I, I know you long for Tommy, but that's not who it was. Uh, I might have heard Dionne Warwick, and she did sing it, but she sang it in 66. She wasn't the originator. The originator was Jackie DeShannon. You guys don't know Jackie DeShannon? I mean, she was as popular as Taylor Swift in the... No, she was not. She, no, one knew, no one knew her. Here's another song. All You Need... Now we're getting into real music, right? This, who sang it? The Fab Four. The, oh, my gosh. That's music. All you need... What's the central point? Love. All you need is love. Even the Beatles knew this truth. Life is nothing without love. Another one, looking for love. Yeah, I'd, I'd ask you who sang it, but who cares? It's country music, right? Hey, it's like, it's country music, barf. Um, for those of you who need to know, you know, his name was Johnny Lee. You've never heard of him, right? Because it's country music. It just doesn't matter. All right, another, <clears throat> another one. We'll get a little bit more contemporary now. You'll be the prince and I'll be the princess. Yeah, mostly teenagers are quoting this to me right now. Yeah, it's a love story is the end. Who sang it? Who? Yeah, right. First musical artist that's made a billion and what's 
at the heart of most of her music? Yeah, you think people long for it? No, it's not Travis Kelsey, he's a football player. I don't even believe that relationship's real. I, I'm serious. Isn't it weird? Here's how weird and messed up our world is. No one watches football anymore when they turn on the NFL. They're just trying to see if Taylor Swift's there. You know, it's like, what a bizarre world. All right, anyway, just no personal feelings or anything. Sure. Uh, next one, two more. We found love right <laughs> one person, where we are. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to ask who sang it. Uh, Ed Sheeran is the one who sang that, very popular artist right now. And finally, you, yeah, most of you will know this probably, all of me loves all of you. That's right. Who sang it? Yeah, John Legend. And I'm going to end with a dad joke. Do you know what John Legend is, right? A legend. Yeah, I'm brilliant. This is why my kids don't like to let me out in public. <laughs> it's like... But all of me loves all of you. Every one of those songs are at the center of our culture experiences and they have to do with one theme, love. Because love is the central, primary aspect to our lives as human beings. And we don't just learn it from music. A lot of you, if you're a guest here, you're going, is this guy, what, what is can we get to the Bible, please? You need to know that the Bible, which so many people reject, simply pinpoints the reality of our lives as they are. And so when you look around and you see something, you can go see if the Bible made that true. And it does, because the Bible says that life is nothing without love. And what's our behavior say? Life is nothing without love. And you know the reason? This is where it starts getting interesting. The reason is that God created us for love. It's why God created us for love. First, to experience his love, which is where fullness comes from. When we don't have it, when we don't have his love, we have no other source for love that's real, that's fulfilling. But when we have his love, not only do we experience fullness, but then we can love others. You need to know we're relational beings created in God's image. If not created in the image of God who is love, then why is love the primary driving need of our lives? If we were just happenstance, if we were just an accident of some crazy cosmic thing, Love wouldn't be the universal primary need of humanity. It'd be survival or something else. But love is it. Why? Because God created us for love. This is so true that Jesus made it the primary point of his ministry. He was asked along the way, what's God's greatest command? And this is what he said in Matthew 22. Jesus replied, you want to know what the greatest command is? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But he couldn't stop there. And he says, you need to know, the second is just like it. You can't experience the first without the second. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, all the law and the prophets, every one of God's statements of truth, principles of morality, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. 
love God and love others. Why? Because God created us for love. I mean, that's what he created us for. And the reality is that our lives, since God created us for love, since there's no meaning whatsoever in life without it, the reality is that our lives will never be full, our lives will never be complete without love. Never. Which is why all the, yeah, sure. Uh, which is why all of our music is about it and our greatest stories are about it. Because we'll never know what we're looking for, what we need so much, a life that's full without love. Life will just be incomplete and empty and impossible for us without love. It's just the way it is. Look at how God said it in 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, I mean, come on. Can we speak about reality? He's kind of saying, let us love one another. It's the point. God created us for love. Life is nothing without it. For, especially if we're saying we're Jesus followers, let us love one another. For that's what comes from God, love. When you really know God, he's pouring his love in you so you can let it go through you to others. And then he says, this is really powerful parallelism. Everyone who loves, genuinely loves, has been born of God and knows God because you can't know God's love without loving others. Jesus said it, the greatest command, love God. And when you do, you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. So those who genuinely love are experiencing this life of fullness. They know God, but whoever does not love, here's the parallel truth, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now that's interesting because a lot of people say they know God, a lot of people. I mean all of us who celebrate Christmas almost are saying, hey, you know, we we believe in that, we know him, yeah, that's pretty cool, here's a present. But he says, whoever does not love does not know God because how can you know the God who pours his love into you and not love others? How can you be plugged into the source and not distribute? How can you be an artesian well of love with God streaming up in you and you not spill it out? You can't. So you might sing about his love. You might declare his love. You might say you know his love. You might even talk about his love, but whoever does not genuinely love does not know God because God is love. I don't know about you, but that's really challenging to me. Really challenging. Because it's a lot easier for me to love myself than it is to love others. Can any of you relate to that? I don't know if you noticed in that passage or not, but it made it very clear that our ability to love in life flows out of the love experience we have from God. If we have that love experience, we can love. If we don't have that love experience with God, we can't love. It flows from there, which leads us to a huge problem. It's a challenge. If you look at our world, you know, all all we need is love, and it's not being found very many places. The problem is that by nature, on our own, none of us can know or experience God's love. Not fully, not on our own. We can't do it. It goes all the way back to the beginning when Adam and Eve were put in the garden with, it's called paradise, perfect presence of God, 
And what they did was they turned away from him. And when they turned away from him, he had said, if you walk away from me, you're walking away from life. The wages of sin is death. And you need to know, death simply means, it sounds like, ooh, death. It means separation. When we die physically, our body, our soul and spirit are being separated from our physical body. It's just separation. It's not cessation of life. Death spiritually, like what God was talking to Adam and Eve about, is separation from God. This is why they had to leave the garden. They couldn't walk with God anymore. They couldn't experience God anymore or his love. And think about why it's death. <laughs> life is nothing without love. Love's only ultimate source is God. And if we're separated from the only source for love, then we've got nothing. We can't do all the prophets and the commandments. They hang on experiencing God's love and then sharing his love. And the truth is none of us on our own can know and experience God's love. Just so you can see why, Romans 3, 10 through 12, as it is written, there is no one righteous. That simply means there's no one who's doing life God's way, no one who's doing life right. And what did Jesus say is right? To love God and love others. Everything's based on that. No one does that. And some of you are going, I don't know. I think I, I do it. So God's pretty smart. He knows how we think. And so he added, not even you. I mean, not even you. Not even me. And he says, let me say it another way. There is no one who understands this. Not on their own. There is no one on their own who seeks God. No, we seek our own way. And then all. All have turned away. Who's that remind you of? I just told you their story. Adam and Eve. They turned away from God. And what happened? They were separated from the only source of love. It led to catastrophe. And why are we longing for it so much? Why are we scraping the barrel for it so much? Why are all our songs centered on it, but usually in agony, especially if you listen to country music? Why? Why? Because all of us, like Adam and Eve, have turned away. Thinking we could find love in other places. Thinking our lives would be better without him. Thinking that we could find a better way. And as a result, they've walked away from God's love. They have together become worthless. Why? Because life is worthless without love. There is no one who does good. And some of you are going, I don't know, I kind of do. Not even one. This is who we are on our own. So, by nature, all of us are separated from God. The only source of love and life and meaning and purpose and hope and peace and everything that comes with Christmas. And why with Christmas? Because at Christmas, love came down. So life could break through. And so hope could be found. This is a big deal. It might sound like a simple little Christmas talk, but the truth is, this is the profound reality that all of us need to know or will never experience life as God designed it. Never. Our natures, because we've all turned away from God, our natures are kind of like a dam, you know, a, a dam that blocks the water from flowing. And our nature is kind of like that. It's like a dam that holds back the flow of God's love. 
So we aren't able to experience fullness of love with other people because we're not experiencing God's love flowing through us. And there's going to always be something missing in our relationships, even the best of our relationships, when we're not experiencing the flow of his love. And, and you know what the result is. The result, and remember, life is worth nothing without love. God created us for love. If we don't experience his love, <laughs> we're never going to experience fullness and completion, and that's what we long for. And so what's the result? Since we need love so much, but we don't get it from God, well, the result is that we seek to find love and fulfillment through cheap replacements. You want the answer to why people do crazy stuff? They're trying to find the love they can't get from God through any means possible because love is as needed as oxygen and will do anything to get a taste of it, to get a touch of it. And so we seek to find love and fulfillment through cheap replacements. I mean, it's what God tells us. In 1 John 2, starting with verse 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. And just so you know, he's not saying don't love beautiful trees and a beautiful sky. It's okay. On the three days, we have a blue sky in Michigan for you to love that. That's okay. It's not talking about that. It's talking about do not put all of your love or try and find your love in the temporary things of this world, the things that pass away. And then he describes it. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. If you're replacing his love, if you've turned away from him and so you're trying to find your love in that which is temporary, then you're not finding it from him, which means you're not loving him with all your heart, soul, and mind, and so you're not loving others. It's a whole mess. And then describes it further. For everything in the world, you know, the lust of the flesh, all the pleasures that we pursue as a cheap replacement for love that doesn't work because we need them repeated over and over again and then they lose their thrill and then we have to move on to something else and all the lust of the eyes, you know, oh, if I had, and we all have this, if I, if I had that house, I could be happy and then we get that house and we're miserable. If I could have that other house, then I'd be happy. And it never stops. It's like that, that, that. And then if I could have a smaller house, I'd be happy. You know, it's like if I had no house at all, I'd be happy. No, I'm not. And we do this with everything to the lust of the eyes. And it's a cheap replacement for what we really need, God's love, and the pride of life. Oh, if I could have that job, if I could be on People Magazine. Isn't it weird that the people on Magazine, on People Magazine, the cover of People Magazine, most of the people on the cover of People Magazine, did I say that enough times for you to get it? Most of those people are some of the craziest people on the planet. They're weird times 10. Why? Because they're in the place that all of us think if we were there, we'd be happy. And you know what they found? They're not. It's all temporary. And so we have these cheap replacements in our life, and it comes not from the Father, but from the world. Verse 17, for the world, and this is the problem with it. That's why it's a cheap replacement. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. This is the explanation. 
Why do I make such bad choices in my life? It's because I'm trying to find what I'm missing in the wrong place, in the wrong way. And so are you. And it messes up everything. Some of us play relational roulette. You know, we jump from relationship to relationship, waiting for it to land on red seven. Some of you are on your 24th marriage. You know, is it red seven yet? <clears throat> By the way, when someone's been married 24 times, don't be the 25th. <laughs> just a thought. I don't know, it's just a thought I just had. Some of us lean too heavily on alcohol or drugs or leave out intoxicants and lean too heavy on the pursuits of pleasure comes up empty. Some try to find their fulfillment in career or money, but I've been a pastor for a very, 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 very long time, and I'm going to tell you what I've never heard. I've never heard on someone's deathbed, if I could have only worked more. I followed a lot of hearses, never saw one with a U-Haul trailer hooked up to it. Come on, that's kind of funny, right? Especially for those of you who listen to country music. I mean, really, that should be right up your alley. <clears throat> Have you seen all the people walk out? Those are country music fans. I'm just telling you. It's like, and Michigan State people, of course. Ah, uh, it's a whole damn. It's a joke. It's a joke. Some are trying to replace God with religion. Some are trying to replace God and his love with, with good works, but none of them work because they're temporary. They don't have the capacity to do what only God can do, fill us to the full. And you know what it leads to? This vicious cycle of disappointment, and most of us are on it. You might think this is a kind of a holiday card talk, but it's really not. This goes to the core of our problem. So let's get to the solution. All right, we're created to love. We'll never experience fullness or completion without it. Life is worth nothing without it. But we can't get it on our own because we've walked away from God. So what's the solution? Ah, we need to experience God's love. I mean, that's the solution. I, look how I, 1 John 4, 19 says it. We love because he first loved us. The only people who have the capacity to truly love, who are truly loving, who are living the second half of the great commandment, are the people who are experiencing the first half of the great commandment, love from God. We have the capacity to love only when we're connected to the source of love. And he first loved us. You wanna know why we did that song before I came out? Because that's the point of Christmas. Love came down so life could break through, so hope could be found. It's not about trees and symbols and inflatables in our yard. And what's the deal with inflatables anyway? <laughs> I mean, I go up to, they're falling over, they're thing. It's like, I don't get it. If you have a bunch of inflatables, God bless you, God loves you, I just don't understand. That's just my thought. And maybe I need more of God's love right now. I don't know. Well, 
But we love because he first loved us. Love came down for us. We need to experience his love. And here's the thing. A lot of you right now, and this is true of me too, a lot of you going, I've experienced it. Come on, on to something new. Mm, maybe. Because if you've really experienced his love, and remember, I have to challenge myself with this too. I'm just like you. If we've really experienced his love, there'll be changes. And the truth is, you look around at people who celebrate Christmas, and they look a lot like everybody else in the world. And the message is not measured up by their life. You see, when we really experience God's love, then we have to understand that it will positively transform our lives. It will change us. We'll be different. Jesus revealed this really clearly in Luke 7. You can read the story on your own, but he was visiting a, a Pharisee named Simon. He was visiting Simon's house. And remember how I said that a lot of us say, hey, I know God's love. I've experienced God's love. On to something new. That's Simon because Simon was a Pharisee. Pharisees, if you don't know, were the religious leaders, the big cheeses of the religious world of Jesus' day. They were the leaders, the teachers, and they would be self-declaring to be those who loved God most. We love God more than everybody. And so Jesus went to visit one of these people's houses who says, I love God more than everybody. And, and at the same time, a woman came in who was referred to as a sinful woman and poured her love out on Jesus. She washed and perfumed his feet while Simon, the one who says he loved God more than anyone, snubbed Jesus totally. I mean, really snubbed him. And so Jesus told a story to Simon of two debtors who had their debts forgiven. One owed such a huge debt that it was impossible to pay it with multiple lifetimes. There was no way to escape that debt and was forgiven. And then another one had a manageable debt, something that could have been paid off, but his debt was forgiven too. And Jesus asked this question, which one of those forgiven would love the forgiver more? And then we'll pick up the story, Luke 7, verse 44. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, which was a sign of respect, an expectation. You snubbed me, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, which was a sign of acceptance and welcome and respect in that culture, but this woman from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, once again, acceptance, honor, but she has poured out perfume on my feet, very costly. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Look, at, I know you say you love God more than anybody. I get it. You wear the robes, you have the fancy titles and positions, you're religious. But let me tell you, the woman you're looking down on, as you're looking down on me, that woman has proven that she's experienced God's love because it's totally transformed her. 
Her great love has shown it. It didn't matter the songs she sang, the holidays she celebrated, how she looked, what people thought. It matters what she did. She proved that she'd experienced God's love and forgiveness by showing love. But then Jesus says, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Who was the one who loved little in that story? The Pharisee. And I'm telling you, one of the huge concerns I have for myself and our church and Christianity in general is we're really good like Simon of declaring how much we love God. But we're not so much like the woman who proves with a transformed life that we've really experienced his love. Do you? I mean, Jesus' love transformed her. You know one of the reasons so many people are walking away from God? It's because the people declaring they know him aren't reflecting him. They're declaring they're the light of the world, but they're just another dose of darkness. I don't want that to be me. Do you want it to be you? So we need to experience God's love because it positively transforms us, but we also need to experience God's love because it positively motivates us. And I, before I give you the passage on this, I just want you to say, one of our problems, one of the reasons we've turned away from God, one of the reasons we're so messed up is because we've been motivated by the wrong things. We've been motivated by what we want, what we think is right, by our truth or whatever our language is. We, all these wrong motivations. But you know what the motivation really is? It's not love for God and others. It's love for self. That's the motivation. It's why we all get in trouble so much. It's why we walk away from him in the first place. We want what we want. And then we blame him for it. But when we really experience his love, it changes our motivations from the negative to the positive. Look at how Paul said it. Paul was someone who ultimately died simply to share the love of Christ with others because he had experienced God's love so profoundly. And he said, you want to know why I keep going forward even though I'm just suffering and suffering and suffering? It's because Christ's love is my motivation. Christ's love compels us. Because we're just convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. In other words, Jesus out of love came and died for my sin and anyone in him gets to die to their sin. And he died for all that those who now live, love came down, that life could break through, that we could now, because of his resurrection, not only die to our sinful life, but be given a new life of the resurrection. Love came down to give us life, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, selfish love, but for him who died for them and was raised again. It changes our motivations. What are your motivations? You can tell what your motivations are, but what you choose. So let me just give you the application. We can end the conversation. If, if we want to genuinely experience fulfillment in our lives, and we do, then we must do three very important things. We must first receive God's love. We've got to receive it. God loves you. 
His love's come down. His love's available. But you have to receive it. I mean, look at how the Bible says it. John 1, 12, yet to all who did receive him, most don't, but to all who did receive him. How? By believing on his name. His name represents all he did, his perfect life and then his death for sin and then his burial and resurrection. When you put your faith in his name, receive him, then God gives you the right to become children of God. And who are children of God? They're not people separated from God, they're people who are walking with God. They're not separated from his love, they're experiencing his love. And how did it happen? They chose to receive it. Have you? And you notice he's not talking about religious stuff, baptism or communion or catechism or celebrating the holiday. He's not talking about that. I attended Northridge three times, I'm there, right? No! Simon can attend Northridge. That's you. No, it's like the only way you have it is if you've personally received it, have you? This is so important that before I give you the last two quick ones and we end, I want to give you a chance because this is the whole point of Christmas. So would you just honor the moment for a minute and bow with me in a word of prayer? And as we bow in prayer, I just want to encourage you, if you've never received and experienced this love, won't you pray with me now? Take my words... Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're in person at one of our campuses. But all you have to do is take my words in this prayer and make them your words to God in faith. Just, just say, Jesus, I, I believe you came down. And you lived the life I failed to live. I've sinned and you didn't. And then you died on the cross for my sin so I wouldn't have to. And then you rose again to give me new life. And I, by faith, receive that gift now, the gift of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed with me, we'd love, we'd love to give you a gift, the book of the Bible in journal form. It's a beautiful little gift, ideas about taking next steps. We'd love to pray for you. We just need to know. We made it easy. All you have to do is text us. You can see the number on the screen. The message is just our church name, Northridge. And we'll send you a link. Fill that link out. Get it back to us. We'll be able to send you that information. But if we genuinely want to experience fulfillment in our lives, then once we receive God's love, it's not enough to stop there. Then we have to grow in God's love. We have to grow in God's love. I mean, that's exactly what the Bible says. Look at 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in the grace, in the love and the knowledge of his love, of our Lord Jesus. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. We've got to grow in it. And that only makes sense, doesn't it? Because it's a relationship. I'll give you an example. 44 years ago, my wife and I stood on a platform at a little small church, relatively small church, and we received each other's love. She said, I do, I said, I do, and the really scary thing that you probably don't know is that the pastor marrying us was her dad, and he was one scary dude, you know. I do, really, I do, I do, I do, you know. Uh, and uh, that was 44 years ago. We received each other's love. You know, a lot of people have done that. Yeah, you can. A lot of people have done that, but you know, most people aren't together 44 years later. 
Because it's not enough to receive someone's love. You have to grow in that love. You know why so many people are like Simon? It's not that they never received God's love, maybe. It's that they haven't been growing in it. Have you? There are all kinds of ways we can do it. Open his word to us. Everything we do at Northridge is to try and help you grow in that love. Step into something like that. And then, once we receive his love and grow in his love, then <laughs> it only makes sense we would share his love. Share his love. 1 John 4, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Share the love, because the greatest command is to love God, and when you do, you can't help but loving others. No one has ever seen God. People can't see God. But if we love one another with God's love, God's living in us, and his love is made complete in us, which means what? They'll see God in us us. This is what they'll see. See God's love in us. This is what the woman was doing. She just couldn't help but love all over Jesus. And as she was loving all over Jesus, people were saying, I need that. That's how our life should be. People should say, I, I need what you have. And you know what we're able to say? <laughs> I have Jesus. He changed me. He changed me. And you know, we have a great opportunity to share God's love in a very simple way this coming week with Christmas Eve. All we have to do is invite someone. It's more than that. But really, all we have to do is invite someone. They'll start hearing about God's love and then they can see it in you and understand why it's in you and in other people. You want to invite people? You can text them or put it on your social media. If you want a digital invite, our team put one together. Just text us 31616, that's the number, the word invite. We'll send you a digital invite you can share with the world. If you'd like a real invite, we printed up some real ones. And you can go in the lobby and pick those up and share them with people. Why should you do it? Because what the world needs now is love, sweet love. And love came down and they need to know about it. And that's why we exist, to share his love. Let me conclude the conversation. The great musical artists of our world have had it right forever. Even the Beatles had it right. All we really need is love. But what they had wrong was how we get it and where it comes from. They were pursuing cheap replacements, and it's ruined their lives, most of them. When in truth, it comes from God, and we get it by walking with Him. And when we do, His love changes how we live and how we love. And when we genuinely experience His love, we then experience, as the name of our series indicates, we then experience a thrill of hope and our weary soul finally rejoices. Love came down. Walk hand in hand with him. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.